This week, we bought a Ouija board, stocked up on pea soup, and called a priest. Because this week, we got possessed by the idea to rewatch The Exorcist. Welcome back to How Did You Miss This? A show where the power of Christ compels us to exercise our movie-watching demons. I'm Evan Toller-Hickey, and with me as always, Michael Hansen and Krista Shane. And today, we are going back to rewatch the OG, the scariest movie of all time, 1973's The Exorcist. This movie celebrating 50 years this year is one of the greatest horror movies ever made. I think that we can say that with a fair amount of authority, none of us have missed it, but we wanted to revisit it during Scaretober because it's got a sequel releasing um, pretty soon after we release this episode. Um, Michael, I'm very curious what your relationship to this movie is, especially because it stars uh, National Treasure Max von Sydow. So I imagine that this was required viewing for seven-year-olds in Sweden. Did you watch it when you were eight years old? Because you could watch anything you wanted. It, that, that's pretty much it. It's like no, probably not when I was seven, but I I don't remember when I watched it. I had such vague recollections of this movie and probably was around like 10 or 11 years old uh, because you're right. Like anything like that. First of all, American movie, if that was on television, check uh, with uh, Swedish national treasure that just bumps up the, the uh, ante even more. So, yeah, that would have been required viewing for everyone. Chris, how about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, we've kind of already touched on it uh, in Scaretober so far. Like, I, I had an older brother who liked horror movies. This is something that I probably would have seen for the first time in university, you know, like my early 20s or something like that. I probably haven't watched it since then. I remember at the time being like, all right, that's pretty good, uh, but not necessarily being in love with it. So it was interesting to revisit it, you know, 20 years later and on its kind of 50th anniversary to, to see how well uh, it holds up. But uh, Evan, I know this is for you like a, a, a treasured gem in your collection, right? This, this is truly a treasured gem in my collection. So you know, full disclosure, The Exorcist is one of my like top five favorite films. I love this film so much. I think it is so extraordinarily well-crafted and holds up to time and lends itself to all kinds of different readings and lenses and analyses. I get something new every time I watch it. I first watched this movie, like you, Chris, in university, a, a roommate of mine had it and uh, and we watched it. And while I didn't find it like the scariest thing I had ever seen, it is one of those movies that has um, stuck with me. I just I think it's actually a really beautiful film. And I'm really, really excited to talk about it with both of you today. Yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting chat. And I think the the course of this movie getting made is kind of fascinating, too, just because it is such a weird series of events that comes together, because like the expectation for this movie was that it wasn't I mean, it was a horror movie being made in 1973. I don't think the expectations on this were really 
much of anything uh, as it was getting made. And I think the the kind of thing that it's become this, you know, cultural phenom that's lasted 50 years and has these kind of like deep tendrils out into all sorts of film and horror and whatever, all these different uh, alleyways that it's kind of gone down, like definitely not was it what was expected while it was uh, being made. I mean, this was a, a movie um, while it was being made in the early 70s that was basically going to get kind of like tossed in after Christmas. Let's see how it does. Uh, this movie was made on a budget of 12 million bucks. Uh, although the original budget was actually a lot less than that, except the production of this movie was so insanely difficult that it ran um, well over a hundred days over its original allotment of 85 days of filming. Oh, that is that is so brutal for the producers. Yeah, oh, exactly. And, and you hear all these stories about while it was being filmed, like in order to make the scenes in uh, the bedroom, um, you know, uh, realistic, they, they turned that they basically had it as like a, a freezer, right? They had the temperature so low so that you could see the actor's breath and it was freezing cold. Uh, but what they had to do to do that was basically make it a freezer, turn all the lights off, turn all the equipment off. And then they had could film for maybe three or four minutes because the temperature would come up so quickly with all of the lighting and, and all the stuff going uh, that they could only film scenes like three or four minutes at a time before they had to shut everything down and then come back to it. And then there's all sorts of stuff about the production where um, a lot of the actors got injured, people on the mm-hmm. set got killed or injured and like all sorts of stuff like that, which some people were saying is, you know, because it was cursed, because it was haunted, which I think is more of a marketing thing. It's probably more of the like trying to push the production schedule and cutting corners and maybe not making sure things are quite as safe as you needed to uh, because you're already 100 days over, you know. Exactly. It certainly lends to the mystique of the film, though, you know, the 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 whole idea of this sort of like demonic film, not just, you know, it being a, a, a film that's really scary, but like, oh, like this production and, you know, the, and getting that into the media hype machine, it certainly didn't hurt the exorcist when it came out. And, uh, you know, like you said, Chris, it's it's got like a 12 million dollar budget, but this gets released just after Christmas, 1973. And I mean, to, to, massive gross, like $200 million on its initial release, which I guess sort of converted into today money is like a billion dollars. So like a true blockbuster, kind of almost even before the idea of blockbuster as we know it gets solidified in the later 70s with you know jaws and star wars and stuff like that i think i think the thing that puts it in context like how big this movie was right its initial release made over 200 million bucks and uh until 2017 it was still the highest grossing r-rated movie out there even without accounting for inflation right so it passed it in 2017 until then that 200 million bucks on its initial release was still the highest grossing r-rated movie like that's how successful this movie was and again to your point evan if you adjust for inflation that's a a billion bucks nobody has passed that right like it's so runaway successful and it's kind of crazy that it starts on like 30 screens as a kind of like throwaway you know post holiday uh post holiday scary movie that the the like warner brothers didn't expect to do anything and it was so so successful that they had no option except to roll it out nationally and like get rid of some of their other films that they were trying to get onto screens in order to put the exorcist out on more screens nationally. 
Yeah. And, you know, of course, you've also got like we talked about that kind of hype machine of like cursed production. But also this was one of those films where, you know, you had all of conversations uh, around or the or the hype around like people vomiting in the aisles and people leaving the theaters and having like heart attacks in the theaters. And, you know, so it, it definitely and of course, the backlash from um, the the Christian right, uh, which then, you know, kind of makes it like taboo. And then, of course, people want to see it even more. And all through that as well, the film garners like some pretty great reviews. You know, it's it, you get things like um, uh Stanley Kaufman for The New Republic saying it's like the only scary movie I've seen in years or uh, Michael Dempsey calling The Exorcist like the trash bombshell of 1973, the aesthetic equivalent of being run over by a truck, which not a great one. And I think that that Ebert, um, Roger Ebert echoes that in saying that, like, are people so numb that they need movies of this intensity in order to feel anything at all, but at the same time gives the movie four stars and praises the the acting and the special effects and compares it to uh, a Bergman film that really moved him in cinema that had, had come out at the beginning of that year and and talks about in that review, like, just how affecting this movie is using all of the language of cinema and all of the tricks available to cinema to create something truly, truly effective and affecting. And, and that also bears out in award season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think the crazy thing about this is the thing you do not associate with horror movies is awards for the most part. And yet this is Mm. a movie that's nominated for 10 Academy Awards, seven Golden Globes. It wins two Academy Awards and four Golden Globes. But the crazy thing is, is, you know, a cast of relatively unknown or totally unknown actors in some cases. Uh, so you've got Ellen Burstyn in the lead, Max von Sydow, who is largely unknown in the U.S. at this point, Jason Miller, Linda Blair, who are basically new faces. All of them come away from this movie with uh, award nominations for, um, you know, either Best Supporting uh, Actor or Actress at the Academy. Academy Awards were at the Golden Globes. Uh, Linda Blair actually wins a Golden Globe uh, for her um, role in this movie. Like these kind of unknown uh, actors uh, in this kind of throwaway movie come away with 17 nominations in the biggest uh, film awards there are uh, and wind up walking away with six. And in fact, there's some people who, who, um, you know, were angry and complaining and frustrated that it didn't even actually receive you know, more recognition, more awards and more of that kind of thing. I think part of that goes back to the fact that it was released on December 26th and that snowball effect would have been probably building uh, into awards season. I don't know that it necessarily had the recognition that it would have had by, say, a year later while it was still showing because this movie basically stayed in theaters for like two years. It was so Mm -hmm. successful. So maybe if, you know, timing would be different, it might have actually racked up more. It's hard to say, but it's pretty unparalleled that you you have a a horror movie uh, that comes away with this kind of, um, you know, critical recognition. And to your point, like the reviews were a little bit mixed. uh, And I think there's some stuff we can talk about as we as we go through it about why that that may have been. But it's certainly a, a film that gets, you know, above and beyond uh, recognition from critics, from uh, audiences. Like this is definitely a phenomenon uh, of its time. And 
Yet for all of that critical acclaim, I mean, I will say that it only has a Rotten Tomato score of 77%, uh, which I think is just way too low for a film like this. But, uh, you know, 77% better than uh, a number of things that we've seen. So I guess really the the question here is, are, are both of you happy to have revisited this film, you know, especially in this context of of, of doing it for Scaretober? Michael? I, I'm really glad that we ended up picking this one because this, compared to some of the other ones, you know, the, the discussion can become things like, has it aged well? Uh, it is sometimes, you know, it, it re-triggers something that you watched when you were younger, but it might not have translated today. I, I agree with you. I think this has aged well, uh, except for some things that, that I'm going to bring up later about uh, makeup, etc. But I actually think it, it was super interesting to watch it again because it was not what I remembered. I'll give you a basic example. In my head, I thought it was a black and white movie simply because of that <laughs> famous, that famous uh, fog sort of night scene. Um, and I had completely forgotten that this is like the original Indiana Jones movie in the beginning where they're doing like excavation and there were so many things. So, oh yeah, wow. So I, I thought it was a, a great fun to, to watch again. How about you, Chris? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, I think that whole 77% on Rotten Tomatoes, I mean, <laughs> that's the same score as the Lost Boys has. Uh, and yeah. I don't think again, egregious. I think I think that's a little high for the Lost Boys and maybe a little low for this. I, I think this is kind of one of those movies that's a little tricky because of, you know, you kind of set it up front like scariest movie ever and best horror movie. I'm like, you know, I think. You know, it's kind of like saying, what's the best meal ever? Well, that's kind of subjective, right? Um, it really depends on your taste. I think this is a really good movie, like straight up. I think this is a really good movie. Do I think it's the best horror movie ever? Do I think it's yada? Like, I don't know. I think that's putting too high expectations on it for most people going to, going in to watch it. But is 77% a little low? Yeah. Like, I was happy to rewatch this movie. Like, you know, The Lost Boys kind of made me want to gouge my eyes out a little bit definitely not this movie like this is a fun watch and evan i'm i'm guessing you're happy to rewatch this movie anytime oh i'm i'm very happy to rewatch this movie anytime uh, it this movie i just think like i said is a great movie this is a great piece of cinema and i'm excited to to talk about it a bit more but i think that this truly does all of the things that cinema is supposed to do and that art is supposed to do in terms of creating cathartic experience, in terms of um, ha having uh, uh, an audience um, have a, a visceral and emotional reaction to a piece of art. Um, this movie is, is so excellent in both... Um, you know, creating an atmosphere for the viewers to to really sit in terror, and uh, and I just I, I just think that that this movie's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, it it definitely gives you uh, those creepy crawlies uh, that you kind of want to feel creeping up your back or whatever at points. Um, but let's maybe take that intermission and then we can talk about how those creepy crawlies uh, still feel uh, all these 50 years later after uh, it came out. Hopefully you got your popcorn because we're about to get into the thick of things here with uh, The Exorcist. So uh, usual spoiler alert here. 
Uh, we're going to be talking about all the stuff about The Exorcist. If you haven't seen it, if you want to go find out, I mean, it's 50 years. I mean, maybe it's kind of fair to spoil it for you at this point, but just in case, here's your warning. So we're going to get into it here. And if you don't know what this movie is about, well, let me tell you. So a young girl named Reagan becomes possessed by a malevolent demon. I don't know if there's other kinds, but in this case, it's malevolent. Uh, Her mother is desperately seeking medical help to help her. But when conventional medicine fails and with her daughter's life on the line, she turns to a Catholic priest for help. Now, this movie was hailed for its special effects and makeup. I mean, especially for Regan and her transformation. Uh, So 50 years later, Do those special effects and makeup and all the stuff that went into making a little girl a demon, do those still hold up? Yeah, I think the problem, the problem is the whole thing around like holding up. I think it holds up relatively well, given how old it is. Looking at it today, the blood color, the the sort of the extreme changes to to the face. um, To me, that's not super convincing. But I actually think it's held up uh, a lot better than maybe some of the old sci-fi movies or like, certain things like that. It just I, I could not take the the blood seriously. I could not take some of the the, the things in her transformation when it kind of got too far super seriously. But otherwise, yeah, I, I think it's held up well. Uh, it's just hard to look at it objectively from like today's perspective. You know, I I have to disagree. With you, Michael, I think that it, it's rare that we see something that still looks this good. I would say, interestingly enough, the the piece of special effect, um, and again, all of these are like basically practical effects. So I think that's one of the reasons why they hold up. These aren't sort of computer generated in 1973, uh, but the the um, spinning head looks just a little bit mechanical but it's so it's so visceral at the moment that it happens it it gives that i think that little bit of of like i i you know i will i will let this go and then especially you know it slams in on a close on reagan's face and uh her voice becomes uh uh is it Burke's voice? And, uh, you know, you know what she did, your daughter. Um, I'll refuse from using the expletive there. Um, but I just think that that all of that looks really good. And the um, little bits of, of subliminality, um, you know, little flashes of uh, Pazuzu's face, the demon's face here and there, um, the blood that the arterial blood that squirts during the um, medical scene, I think looks really good. And I just, I think that the, that the, the makeup in general and any of the sort of like levitating and things just to me is, is, is really, really excellent. Yeah. I think, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm largely with, I think you guys are actually kind of saying a similar thing, right? I think Michael's saying, especially for a 1973 movie, this movie has maintained its special effects. Like it was, it's very good for a 50 year old movie, especially. I definitely think there's moments where, you know, you can see what's happening. The, this, the, um, you know, the editing of Pazuzu's face into a couple points to your point, Evan, like it's cool for 
2023 is it amazing? No, but for 1973, it's astounding, right? So it's kind of the like, does it hold up? Yes, uh, especially when you consider how old this film is. It still has that creep factor that's brought into it. The moments where you've got, um, I don't know, like Reagan's creepy, like she she's scary, mm-hmm. and that's that's like I think the most important part of this because I think for um, a lot of this movie, uh, you know, they're trying to maintain tension and maintain that kind of scariness, which really needs to pay off when you get to creepy, scary time. And I think they do that, right? Creepy, scary time is still creepy and scary to your point. Like a lot of the effects still look really good because they had to be pretty practical. Uh, You know, CGI never holds up well over time and none of this is CGI. So I think it definitely holds up. Uh, But I mean, definitely at points here, there's a few things where you're like, that's how they would have done this 50 years ago. I also want to point out one other little bit of makeup that I don't think gets um, called out enough and that and because I think that it is done so well that people kind of forget. But Max von Sydow was 44. Yeah. When he shot. He was. He looks a million. Yeah. Literally our age. And he looks so old. In this movie, as I'm watching it and I'm like, wow, this is 50 years old. Oh, my God. Wait a sec. Max von Sydow. Like, how old were you? And then I was kind of horrified to look at it and be like, oh, he's he's the old priest and he's like literally my age. Um, But looks so old in it. I, I think, though, about the makeup, I would actually say so for me, because of that, my favorite parts were all the other things in the movie. What, what I like about it is the creep and has the creep factor. I think maybe that's why it's aged well as well, because this is not about like constant jump scares. This is about building up a, an atmosphere, a lot of question marks about what's going on in the story and can I start to see these more sinister things happening. So, so I actually would say if, if you take away the whole thing around makeup, like that's not the most important part for me anyway in terms of what i got out of it so that's why like it's not a a big issue for me but it was almost like we could have done pretty well without the 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 self hurt and some of that like that that wasn't really needed for me but i i think everything else about it has has stood stood the test of time i think I think that's right, Michael. I think I think that's one of the things, right? Like, I think pacing is always a very tricky, delicate balance in a horror movie. Uh, and for me, that's one of the things that I think The Exorcist did very well. And it sounds like, you know, you're kind of in line that it's a it's a great way of keeping the the audience engaged and, you know, a little bit, a little bit, you know, on the edge of their seat, gripping their, their armrests or whatever. Right. Um, Evan, how, how, how does that feel for you? Do you still feel like it's got that, that, that creep, you know, that constant fear of what's coming next there? Absolutely. Uh, I think that this film is masterfully paced. It's one of those, it's one of those kind of like master classes in just like, continually ratcheting up the tension on things from the opening in Iraq, um, where you see that there is going to be some kind of battle between good and evil, um, you know, marked very clearly by uh, Father Marin facing off against the the statue of Pazuzu. Um but that there is always one little creepy or unsettling thing. You know, you, you go into a horror movie with a certain amount of expectation. I am going to be 
scared or I'm going to see scary things. And depending on your disposition, you're like, I can't wait to be scared or I can't wait to like not be scared by this stuff. And The Exorcist does such a good job of these very small things like uh, uh, the clock stopping when Marin's in the the office of the other archaeologist. Um, it's so small, but very creepy. It's these tiny little things that I think that that really help make the 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 big things work so well. One thing I will ask though, and I realize that I should have asked this off the top, which version did we all watch? Because there are two big ones. There's the original theatrical cut, which is about two hours long, and then there's the version you've never seen, aka the director's cut. Um, that's the one that's like two hours twenty, something like that, right? Yeah, and it has it. It leans a lot more into um, some of the faith aspects. Um, it has a lot more subliminality in it. Little flashes of the demon face, a lot more. Um, but particularly, it has the spider walk. Yeah, that's that's the, that's the uh, one downstairs. I I watch. I think that's the only one I've ever seen as well because oh, interesting you know okay. like i i watched it again in university so it was after mm-hmm. 2000 when it was uh re-released and then you know it's also the um when it went back into theaters because this has had multiple releases it's made over 400 yeah. million dollars which again do some time math and that's even more than a billion bucks but um you know those re-releases once they started re-releasing it it was always the director's cut with more the more all the more stuff Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I I don't know that you can find the other version. Maybe he did. I don't know. Michael, did which one did you watch? Do you know? I watched the two hours and one minute uh, version. Yeah. So that would have been the, the theatrical release, I believe. And that's the one that I watched for this one as well, though. I do have both. Um, so something that we uh, it, because they are slightly different films and they are paced differently. For instance, you know, we were talking about the the pacing and, and the plotting, the uh, the version you've never seen, the director's cut, which you watched, Chris, mm-hmm. starts in Georgetown with a shot of uh, of the house. Nope. Right. And then goes nope. to northern Iraq. Nope. Oh, no, it starts in Iraq. So here's the thing I will say. Oh, so the, this. So the, now, OK, it, so the, it there's like three versions. Then. It maintains um, tension. It, it maintains some mm-hmm. fear. What I don't love about this movie and the versions that I've seen, because I went and dug out the original uh, after I'd watched this just to compare notes or whatever, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But um, I don't love the pacing of this movie. I think pacing is one of the things about this movie that for me isn't my favorite part of this. There's a lot of other stuff I really love. I find for me that there's a lot of those like, I don't know, I don't really need the prologue in Iraq because it's it's long, right? It's like 10 minutes. It's very long. Uh, And it's like, okay, something's going to happen. He's going to unearth. Oh, no, he just stood there staring at a, a statue. Okay, so I think for me, the tension is always there. But for me, that wears a little bit because they're always like building it up, maybe a little bit more than they get to. And then they kind of like drop it back down where you're like, there wasn't really a payoff here. What eventually happens is it starts paying off. And I think my that's my issue through the first kind of half of this movie is they maintain tension that doesn't really have a payoff until you get maybe 45 minutes in. And, you know, you're like, oh, Regan's act, Regan's actually possessed now. Oh, okay, cool. Like now the. This is starting to, and so it's a long build up to that payoff. I think the payoff is great, but the, the I found the pacing a little all over. I actually 
really agree with you. And I'm interested now in, in the extended cut to see if they resolve some of these things, because some of the things are, are quite obvious to you, uh, Evan, were not obvious to me at all. Like the what, what you were saying that, you know, now that's clearly building up for this battle against uh, the good and evil and big showdown. I, did, I didn't actually get that. I didn't make the connection of his connection with, with the demon until much later. And and it was just sort of like, it was an interesting intro. I liked it. I just didn't see how it all fit together. And I didn't get that. Yeah. It doesn't really pay off. Yeah. I, I, I disagree because I think it would be a lesser movie without this. Cause I've actually thought a lot about that opening and whether or not it would be a better film to lop it off. And I don't think it would be because then Marin showing up later as the old exorcist, I think that you you then sort of like, well, he just sort of comes out of nowhere and I don't understand this guy. And so I think that it really sort of builds this idea that we're in a place dealing with things we don't understand. And there is some kind of evil an ancient evil that's been around since time immemorial that um, still walks this earth and that this is a person who has faced it down in the past and will face it down again. Yeah. Um, and the, the, in terms of like, uh, you know, it doesn't really feel like anything happens for the first 45 minutes. Yes, but you fall in love with the characters you spend all of that time with the characters and you see that Reagan is a sweet kid and that Chris is a great mom and that Karis is, you know, a, a, a good son who's dealing with some really difficult things with a, an ailing mother and his own sort of like stress and losing faith. And I, I, I think that 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 in a lot of ways is what makes this film so arresting and so effective is that when the big payoffs start happening, you're genuinely upset because you've invested in these characters and they, um, they seem like real people. They feel like people that, that you don't want these bad things to happen to. And I think that a, a lot of horror, you know, evolving and moving ahead, um, starts to shorthand that in in favor of kind of pacing. It's like, well, it's got to be faster. We got to get to the scary stuff. We have to, you know, get it done. And I remember watching like um, Ghost Ship when it came out in, uh, let's say, 2002. And that being one of the most egregious versions of that, where it's like you literally meet a character and he opens his wallet and is like, I can't wait to get home to my daughter. It's like, this is why you should care about me. And then he's like gruesomely killed. And that leaves me cold, whereas this makes me feel invested. I think, I mean, I think it's one of the things about this movie, which you can take whatever way you want. I mean, I think the the, the thing is we're watching it in 2023. I agree with you that it's a, an interesting thing because you have these threads of other stories. Uh, like there's a lot going on, right? You've got multiple personal dramas going on throughout and then you're combining it in with, you know, this supernatural horror and possession and what's happening. And uh, I, I just found there's a lot of um, bloat on this movie, which is probably in the book and probably makes a lot of sense when you can, uh, you know, go on at length because this is based on, you know, a novel, uh, which then got turned into a, a screenplay. Uh, there's a lot of stuff where I'm just like, that could have been 
shorter. I didn't need as many scenes about Karis's background to understand he's a devoted son and he's got this personal conflict and drama about, you know, he's lost his faith. And there, there was a lot of all of those. Uh, and so I'm not necessarily saying get rid of it. I'm just saying it's a lot. And that first that first third for me really drags uh, like in my notes. There's just a lot of like 10 minutes in. When's something going to happen? 20 minutes in. When's something going to happen? 44 minutes in. Something finally happened. So it's just that, right? I agree with you that I think there's story here which helps helps give some dimension to the characters. But like, Michael, I'm curious for you, like how well did you feel the movie did at weaving all of those threads of everybody's backstory and whatever coming together into this kind of supernatural horror thing? That's exactly what I mean about... It was hard for me to see it. It didn't take away my enjoyment, but when I learned later about, oh, so yes, so the he actually does have a personal experience when, when they refer to he has had this exorcism that almost uh, took his life before. The whole connection with the the coin or the little pendant was very weird to me. I, I didn't kind of feel like that all. It wasn't clear to me. Um, it didn't take away from the enjoyment. I just thought that, wow, there's a lot of threads. Uh, but because of how it all comes together, because of how it gets revolved, you can still leave satisfied but this is one of those that when you've read about it later and you rewatch it then of course that's going to now become just part of how you experience the movie and i think you enjoy it more but for this quote-unquote first viewing in probably 35 close to 40 years um, there were a lot of really unexplained things to me yeah i think that this film uh definitely rewards rewatching. So I would I would urge anybody to who watches it watch it again too, um, and to that point, I think that the one thing that I really took away this time is that like Pazuzu is playing four dimensional chess, that like Pazuzu and uh, Marin have faced off before. Um, it, it's sort of implied that that's the demon that he met with uh, an exercised that nearly killed him the first time around, especially because you hear his voice being called out when um, uh, the reverse tape Harris plays yeah. the, yeah, the tape uh, backwards. And so you've got Marin being mentioned there and, you know, again, you've set up that kind of uh, him staring at the staring at Pazuzu in, in Northern Iraq. Uh, and you also have, in the first time that uh, Karis visits the house and and sees Reagan in the bed, it's like, oh, are you here to do an exorcism? And would you like that? Yes, it will bring us together. And it's like, oh, that's the demon's plan the the whole time. Like the demon wants to kill Marin and uh, and you know take over Karis or kill Karis. Um, there's a moment, I th- and I think it might only be in the extended edition, where uh, after the first round of exorcism and and um, uh, Karis and Marin are sitting on the steps outside the room, and uh, Karis is like, "Why, like, why does why do demons do this?" and and Marin's like, "It's to make us despair." It's to it's to make us think that we are that God cannot possibly love us because we are so frail and 
ugly as humans kind of thing. And again, I'm trying to take this from memory because I haven't seen the extended edition in probably a decade. Uh, so Chris, you'll have to re remind me if that's about right. But I think that that sort of gets to the core where it's like Pazuzu's plan, you know, not really to, uh, you know, take over Reagan uh, and, and just hold her until she rots, but to like wreak revenge on these emissaries of God and also, you know, really mess up a innocent child. Yeah, I think I think this is always the, the the interesting part as we have these conversations, right? Is the how how much do you want to fill in the blanks of what's going on here? I mean, to your to your point, Evan, that's where I go. It would have been much cooler for me to see a short thing of uh, Father Marin in the beginning doing an exorcism somewhere else. And then be like, okay, cool. Let's get, because the, I think that's where it makes it easier to be like, you could have a short scene that's like somewhere five years earlier, you know, and it's like, okay, cool. Doing an exorcism and then moving on. I, I, I just found there could have been a lot more condensation of this. And I don't necessarily want to be like, wow, look at all these connect the dots and strategies and what, like, I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I, this isn't what I love about this movie. And I think I think the thing for me that does make those things much more compelling is the folks who do the the roles, who do the acting in those parts, because that's what really keeps a lot of this for me afloat. So uh, I, I agree. I just want to circle back for a moment on that idea of like, you know, it would have been great to see five years earlier um, Marin doing an exorcism. And I think that that would have actually undermined the film because the the whole juxtaposition here i mean and there this is a film built completely on juxtaposition good versus evil faith versus uh you know uh, atheism and uh you know particularly science versus religion and so if you saw that the demons actually existed off the jump then I think that that would undercut the build of you've you've got something wrong with Reagan. And so you go to science and you go to the doctors and you have what I think are some of the most harrowing moments of this film, which is Reagan undergoing the medical tests. And so science has been exhausted. And so then the doctors recommend pseudoscience. They do hypnotism and hypnotism gets exhausted. And so then the doctors recommend religion, right? And that's the, okay, well now you, you know, I, well, you know, it doesn't really matter what you believe, but if she believes that she's possessed, then an exorcism might, you know, help. And so the fact that it's coming from um, science and that it's taking the audience on this, like, let's eliminate all of the things that it could be. Oh, this is a real freaking demon. We need a real exorcism. We've exhausted all other possibilities. This is where we're at now. We are staring into the face of evil. I think that had you gone off the top with like, there are demons in this world, then all of those moments of bringing the audience along, you'd be like, no, like, like the, obviously all these guys are wrong. Let's just get to, you know, when are we going to get to the fireworks factory? Um, they're obviously wrong. One of the things though that I felt didn't really support that because I, I agree with you like it's a different movie because they don't prove something uh, in the beginning but I thought that 
you know what, I really want to talk about the performances because I think at a few points, they don't really match sort of what's going on, but um, maybe it's a good time to take a break now. And then when we get back, we can kind of get into that a little bit more. So let's talk about the performances. I mean, we kind of mentioned it up front, right? Linda Blair won a Golden Globe for her performances. Reagan in this movie, uh, Ellen Burstyn, uh, Jason Miller, Max Fonsito all received uh, award nominations for their performances either at the Oscars or the Golden Globes. Like uh, the performances in this movie are definitely something like do, do the performances elevate the the exorcist beyond your your standard horror movie so i'm gonna say i'm gonna say yes because i think and, and yes with a caveat i think that i'm really glad actually that they showed these longer scenes that, that we kind of talked about earlier because exactly to evan's point i think uh it establishes that they have a really really good um, mother-daughter relationship and it's really believable i think i think it is great to see max von Sydow, uh, earlier uh, and how he carries himself I, I, the acting is really good the thing that i found was a bit funny particularly with with the, the mother's uh, acting was that there were times when i thought this must be down to directing because i know uh, that she's a great actress but yeah, I thought that the reactions were not proportionate to what's going on around them. And there seemed to be like a, a detachment going on that didn't resonate with me. So it's a little bit of a yes, but answer. I think that the acting was very, very strong, but sometimes maybe the directing wasn't as clear for, for what was being asked of them. Yeah, I I'm, I mean, I think... I, I I think the performances are, are very good. I think the performances are what kept me engaged Um in those spots where I found, you know, the story, uh, you know, I don't know, didn't entirely enthrall me that some of the nuances didn't entirely enthrall me. And to your point, Michael, some of the, some of the directing choices I found a little wonky. Like I found there's a lot of really hard cuts, uh, where you're just like, I'm doing a thing. And then suddenly it's like, and here's Reagan screaming at the doctor's office for three seconds. And then I'm back over to father Karras giving mass. And you're like, I found some of those were really jarring, but the acting was what kept me engaged through those parts that I don't love. And I can understand why you might be making some of those directorial choices or how it's hard to prune the story down or whatever. But like ultimately where I don't love those bits and pieces, I do really love the acting. And that is definitely a thing that keeps me uh, engaged and interested and, and, you know, invested uh, in this movie, even though, you know, I've kind of been saying that um, the pacing isn't great for the first half. Like ultimately the pacing for me is like, oh my God, we finally got to the exorcism and this is fantastic. And some of those threads pay off, some of them don't, but the acting kept me interested the whole way through. Yeah. You know, I think that the, the acting in this movie is superb. Um, you know, I, and, and I, I think that there are definitely choices made. I mean, to to Michael's point, whether or not what's going on on screen seems, um, you know, commensurate with with the people's reaction. Like, I think that that um, you know, Ellen Bernstein, um, you know, not being a afraid of of the sound going on in the attic or something like that shows that she is again like um a, a very strong mother that she's someone who doesn't scare easily and uh you know rather than sending somebody else up to you know 
to go and and look up in the attic, she goes up herself. She is willing to go up in the attic. And so when she's really at the end of her rope um, with with the doctors and everything, you're really seeing um, a, a really sort of like frayed and and afraid person. I, I think that that one of the performances that um, probably doesn't get quite shouted up enough is um, Lee Cobb as uh, as Lieutenant Kinnerman. I just think is absolutely delightful. Um, you know, he brings a little bit of levity to things. Is he um, is he trying to date priests? Is that what I'm to draw from this movie? Because he keeps asking a lot of priests to go to the movies with him. I mean, maybe. Uh, I mean, there's a whole. There's a whole thing about like the way that he is conducting his investigations and trying to keep things kind of light and friendly so that maybe like always trying to leave the person that he has um, been kind of in a bit of conflict with on a good note so that um, so that like next time around they may open up to him more. Um, But like to your point, Chris, like. Kinnerman, uh, Kinnerman and, and, um, and the other priest, Tom, um, like meeting up at the end of the movie and kind of being like, this is going to be the start of a beautiful friendship kind of yeah. thing where they're like walking off and that's the end of the movie, uh, I think is only in the extended version. Um, where, whereas, uh, uh, I think the, the other version ends with Tom, like looking at down the top of the stairs and I found the detective in general was something that I could have largely done without i mean I th- or not not without entirely but i think like again it's one of those things where i'm like i could have done with a lot less uh because i didn't find the police investigation terribly in- engaged like oh his head was turned all the way around and it's uh, okay i get it but you know like i didn't need I, th- I think the thing i found is it's like a little bloat everywhere added up to a lot of bloat for me and that's where the pacing and story and whatever like yeah, i didn't i didn't love that stuff but i mean uh, I, I found for me some of the, the big acting payoffs where we were where you had like, uh, you know, Jason Miller as Father Karras, um, you know, as the as the exorcism, he's kind of gotten kicked out of the exorcism or whatever, because he was, you know, yelling at the demon or whatever, getting too too caught up in what the demon was saying uh, when he goes back downstairs and uh, Ellen Burstyn is like, is she going to die? And he's like, has that moment of like resolve where he's like no and you just see it in his face and then he heads back upstairs and like that is an excellent dramatic payoff and i think the acting and whatever leads to that point regardless of what i felt like some of the bloat in his story and his mother and like i'm like there's a little much there but it really pays off as you go through that final you know exorcism scene like a lot of those threads really do pay off and the acting is mwah. i love the cop too i think that he's got he's got two things going for him he's got an excellent vocal delivery i think he's just his pacing and how he speaks is brilliant and actually do you think how he lays out like the chances that you know uh, a young girl could carry sort of this grow fully grown man and throw out the window so I, i think that he is needed to for the same reason evan that you were talking about like they they try everything they try science they try this they try that to be there and kind of lay out the logical case, like there's something else going on here uh, than, than kind of what meets the eye. So I, I actually like him there. I don't think it's overdone to me, but I also get this thing around like a bunch of little things add up to, you know, uh, a long time. But 
again, I, I watched the two hour movie. So mm-hmm. I, and, and, and I agree that the, the two twenty has a lot of bloat to me. I, I, I prefer the theatrical cut. So the one thing I do definitely want to talk about is like Linda Blair in this movie. I think she was oh, 14 yeah. years old when they awesome. were making this, like mm-hmm. uh, d- talk to me about her performance in this film. I mean, I think it, it's, it's so good. Like, Reagan at the beginning is so sweet and so innocent. And, you know, again, one of the the great things about horror is, you know, where, you know, the the perversion of innocence is one of those things that like creates like a visceral, like a a visceral, you know, feeling of, uh, of, of disgust in us. And so she's kind of perfect to be that conduit. Um, uh, yeah, when she's like fully let off the hook uh, at the end, and you know, with her tongue going, and uh, I mean, she is she is great as both demon and as like sweet child, and also a big big shout out to Mercedes McCambridge who did the voice of uh, Pazuzu. Um, you know, chain smoking and gargling eggs and drinking whiskey, and then going to the mic to to do that i think it just and and linda blair um you know if then that voice feeling like it can come out of linda blair is is just great yeah i mean i think i think there's a a lot of stuff about linda blair's performance and the possession of a young uh girl becoming you know like you said evan like sweet to like demonic uh that is upsetting it's disturbing uh and there's a lot of things that uh you know for the era when the exorcists were made would have been disturbing to viewers. But are those things that kind of give you that unsettling, upsetting, disturbing kind of thing still as disturbing for viewers today? I think they, they are. So I'll speak for myself. I think that it is still disturbing. And I think I know I'm going to be an outlier here. I think it is unnecessarily disturbing. I think you can get the, the point across without some of the, the, some of the particular cursing and some of that self-stabbing. I thought that that's, that's not needed. I, I get how bad this demon is and how bad the transformation is anyway. So in a way, yes, it still works. The disturbing thing really works. And I can only imagine how people reacted 50 years ago. But I, I would say I, I could have had a version that didn't have the full extent of, of it. So it feels like a little gratuitous or whatever at points for you? I, I, I think it is too much for me. It actually takes away some of the enjoyment, but it's very effective still. And if that is the intent, it's very, very effective. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that, that uh, as you say, Michael, a little bit of an outlier. I, I think that the, uh, the, the crucifix scene, let's call it, um, is still to this day. And even though I know it's coming and I know that, that, uh, that, you know, I'm preparing myself for that scene. It still is, uh, it still hits me every single time. It's just like, oh my God, this, this scene is horrific. I mean, the other scenes that I've actually find really horrific and terrible, and I think a lot of people forget about them are the scenes where, um, Reagan's having the medical tests done on her. I think that the the lack of music, um, the close-ups on needles going in, the sounds of you know the like the the X-ray and MRI machines just banging, um, 
the 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 sound design in those scenes um at Linda Blair's performances in those scenes where it looks like she's being tortured the way that they're shot with kind of this like um the, that there is sort of like almost a cinema verite i mean throughout the film like that and and i guess like that's actually apparently where a lot of people were like vomiting in the aisles and leaving is during the science scenes um because they are so affecting um like that's the stuff that's that's still to this day so disturbing to me. Yeah, I, I'm I'm I think right there with you, Evan. That it's disturbing. I feel like to Michael's point, those are the things that I found like uh, I don't know that I needed those to make this movie this scary or make the story there. Like I think you again, you could have dialed parts of these down. Those were the parts that at least fifty years later feel a little bit gratuitous to me where it's like, all right, the, to your point, the, especially where you see the blood spurting out of this little girl's neck and whatever you're like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I get, we're, we're doing medical tests to prove that there's nothing, you know, nothing, nothing within the realm of the mortal world that we can do here to help her. But like, you know, some of those bits and pieces feel gratuitous. Same with the, the crucifix stabbing, which is just like, whoa, that's maybe a, a little much. Uh, but I mean, I think I think a lot of the r- stuff that would have been disturbing in the era, too, of just like, you know, a little girl cursing at priests and saying these awful things like, is that still disturbing? I doubt it's as disturbing in 2023 as it was for audiences in 1973. Um, you know, is it nice? No. But is it as upsetting? No. Um I also think some of the things that give you that creepy factor uh, are probably still as disturbing because, I mean, I think there's a lot of technical things that went into giving you that 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 creepy crawly feeling on your back where it's like the sound design and how they did some of that stuff, which is still, I think, for me, like an A plus thing or like it hasn't mm-hmm. it had that hasn't faded. It is still disturbing and upsetting as they, um, you know, maintain that tension and, and creepiness throughout. You know, one thing I will say about the, uh, you know, the disturbingness and things and the sound, um, you know, again, this is gets into um, this whole idea of it being a a movie of juxtapositions. And I think that um, like sound and kind of overwhelming sound at some times, um, screams or like the subways um, juxtaposed then with silence is so powerful in this movie. Um, and, and I have to say there's, there's actually less music than I kind of remember like tubular bells. Yeah, this, the, the main the, theme, kind of is, the barely theme is barely yeah. in there. Right. I, I remember it, there being a lot more tubular bells. Um, but, uh, I think still used incredibly effectively. Yeah. I, find, I but then, you know, I love this movie. I, I, I'm, I'm actually with you because I don't think they use it until well, I forget when, but like a good chunk of the way into the movie when suddenly you, you hear the theme of of the movie and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that. It's not the same as like um, Halloween uh, where you are so familiar with the theme of that movie and it plays throughout. In this movie, that that kind of main theme is a little bit lost at points because they barely use it. In fact, I would have loved to have heard it more because it is uh, my wife came downstairs while I was watching it and just the main theme was playing and she's like "Ooh, this sounds like a creepy me- movie and not for me I'm like and it's just from that theme song so I wish again they'd had they'd had that through a little bit more yeah I, I've, I've got tubular wet bells on on 45 and uh, uh, Tanya won't let me play it 
uh, when she's in the house because she finds it so spooky. Well, and I think that's one of the great questions, right? This is a movie that is creepy and crawly and, you know, listed as one of the scariest movies ever. Is this a, a movie that both of you would recommend to somebody who missed it? I think yes, because I do think it's an important movie and I think that the right people could also enjoy it. But but I would give a couple of uh, caveats up front and kind of say, here are a few things to consider. I th- actually do think it is one of those. It's worth watching again if you haven't watched it. It's not just dependent on, oh, I watched it when I was a certain number of years old and and I love coming back to it. And I think this one actually has has merit uh, on its own. Yeah, I think that that I mean, I I think that this movie is fantastic. Obviously, I highly recommend it. I highly recommend rewatching this movie as well. I think that there are a lot of different lenses through which you can watch this movie, watching it from uh, a theological point of view, watching it um, with a feminist perspective is really interesting as well. Um, there are so many different reads, but you know, this is truly like the OG, um, you know, really scary film. And I think that we don't get a lot of um, the horror that we love today, uh, or even the horror that we don't love today, um, without without this film. And, <laughs> and sometimes, uh, almost literally, um, because uh, I know our feelings on The Lost Boy, in the research for this, I don't know if any of you guys came across this either, but Jason Miller... Um, you know, Father Karras is Jason Patrick's father. So there is our Lost Boy connection. <laughs> to, to Six movie. degrees of the Lost Boys apparently is going to be the new yeah. game we play on this, <laughs> on this podcast. Oh, I think we can. I think we can play Six Degrees of Lost Boys. For um, sure. I, I mean, I, I think with both of you, I'd say like this is definitely a movie that folks should see. Like it's it's a really good movie. It's a very good horror movie. Uh, you know, I think the the, you know, exclamation point uh, or asterisks on this for folks is that like, yeah, if you don't like scary movies, it's a scary movie. If you like scary movies and haven't seen this or, you know, to that point, haven't watched this in a while, it's definitely worth, you know, putting on and having that watch. Uh, You know, my wife who does not like scary movies would not want to watch this movie. Right. So if you are somebody who does not, it's scary. And like, uh, you know, is it the scariest movie ever? Well, you know, I think that, again, goes back to your personal tastes and preferences and whatever. There's probably if you watch scary movies, stuff that you might have found scarier. Uh, but like, is it worth a watch and is it kind of a, a scary movie and whatever? Yeah, it's definitely worth a watch. And I think the the interesting thing for me, and I think this is the contrast for Evan and I, is like, I don't love pulling this movie apart for me the payoff in this movie is the exorcism uh which i would happily watch again and again uh without most of the rest of the movie i found when i was re-watching this and kind of skimming through the original version just to see what the differences were i was i found myself fast forwarding to get further into the movie uh because i don't necessarily love some of the the other stuff like i've been saying right the 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 story and and the pacing but i do love uh the exorcism so i'm curious for each of you like this is probably not a thing i'm going to revisit anytime soon but i'm sure i'll watch it again in you know a few years or whatever maybe when my kids are old enough to get a you know the poop scared out of them uh what about for both of you is this something you're going to come back to soon i will probably not um but I am glad I watched it, but I, I don't think this is going to be on my uh, list. Um, so, yeah. I mean, as you know, this is a top five movie for me. Um, I love 
analyzing it. I love watching it through different lenses and thinking about it in different ways every time I revisit it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I probably won't watch it again for another like year, maybe two, but I'll, I'll definitely be coming back to it again and again and again throughout my life. Well, I think it's, uh, you know, for the folks out there who want a fright, especially as we're in this Scaretober month, something that's worth it for uh, a good uh, spooky evening watch. Uh, and on that note, maybe that's a good spot to call it for this week. So that's what we thought about The Exorcist. Uh, and we'd love to know what you thought about this movie or any other spooky movie we've been watching. Uh, you can always email us at howdidyoumissthis at gmail.com. Send us any questions or thoughts. Uh, send us some stuff that you might want us to cover, just like uh, Dave did last week for The Lost Boys. Uh, and if you enjoy what we're doing... Thank you, Dave. <laughs> and if you enjoy what we're doing here, take a second to rate and review or and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening uh, and we'll be back with you next week when we're going to continue with Scaretober and we're going to be watching us to see if you should double down on this movie or whether it should stay missed thanks for listening and we'll talk to you then da -da 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 -da. <laughs>